Sunday morning internet church service. Well, of course, if it's Monday or Tuesday, you can still watch it. That's the blessing of the internet 24-7, 365 days a year, or 10 years in the future. It's still here for you, but I'm glad that you are here today watching, hungry for the things of God, hungry for the Word of God, and drawing closer and closer to the Lord on a continual, ongoing basis, getting higher and higher in the things of God. Oh, I want to talk to you about those types of things today. First of all, let us receive the holy tithes and offerings, and let's bring them into the storehouse of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read two verses for you from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. Now watch this, for God loves a cheerful giver. I believe I'm talking to some cheerful givers out there. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now the word cheerful in the original Greek language is actually the word hilaros, and it's where we get our English word hilarious from. Can you believe that? That God actually loves a hilarious giver. Wow, praise God. Amazing. I believe that giving should never be some type of low point in a service where maybe just because we've got a few misery people that don't, that don't understand the grace or the love or the joy of giving, maybe they, they think, ah, let's hurry up and get this over with. No, my friends, there should be no low, low points at all in any service, something but high, high things in the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hilarious givers. We don't want an old, greedy, stingy, miser spirit to ever get a hold of us. Uh, by the way, it's interesting because uh, our our root word for the word miserable is actually miser. So the word miserable is actually built on the word miser. That's because misers are miserable people. And givers, givers to the things of God and to the kingdom of God are hilarious, happy, full of joy people, and God deeply loves them. He loves a cheerful, hilarious giver. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, I believe that the world actually thinks that the more you give, the more miserable you will be. But from God's perspective, God has a mindset and he has an understanding and a system that he works with where the more you give, the happier you are. Why? Well, because you are receiving back. You are tapping into the kingdom system of sowing and reaping. And most importantly, most importantly, you are being involved in the kingdom mandate of the Great Commission. So here's a neat little neat little um, example. Some years back, there was a man named Scott Lewis. He's still alive today, a Christian businessman, and he attended a conference 
where evangelist Bill Bright was speaking. Some of you remember Bill Bright, the wonderful evangelist, also founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. He did a lot of uh, he did a lot of 40-day fasting, and uh, he had a very, very effective ministry. Of course, Bill Bright is with the Lord now in heaven. But Scott Lewis, who was a businessman, was in one of these conferences where Bill, where, uh, Bill Bright was ministering at and talking, and Bill Bright was actually challenging the people to give $1 million to help fulfill the Great Commission. Bill Bright really believed that every person on the planet Earth has the right to at least hear the gospel. Now what you do with it when you hear with it, that's up to you. But I believe that we need to carry that responsibility. Where today we have over 7 billion people on the planet. Where we have the provision and the strength to send that gospel message out. So that at least everybody does have the opportunity to hear it. So Bill Bright challenged the people at the conference to be people that would give a million dollars to help fulfill the Great Commission. Now, uh, to Scott Lewis, who was in that meeting, he said this, this type of teaching and this type of a challenge was something that was far beyond anything he could even imagine. Now, he had a small machinery business, and he was bringing in an income that was under $50,000 a year. But they crossed paths, and Bill Bright asked Scott, he said, how much money did you give last year? And Scott actually said he felt pretty good about his answer. He said that he and his wife gave $17,000. Now, now think about that. He made less, Scott Lewis made less than $50,000, but he gave into the ministry, into the kingdom of God's work, $17,000. In other words, he gave about 35% of his income. Well, without blinking an eye, uh, Bill Bright responded and said, over the next year, why don't you make a goal of giving $50,000? Scott thought Bill had actually not understood what he was trying to tell him. That, that would be more than he made in the entire year last year. Well, uh, Bill Bright put it out there, and, you know, Scott and his wife took it to heart. And what was amazing is that as they accepted that challenge, over the, over the next year, he began giving, he and his wife were giving into the work of God, expanding the kingdom, and they got towards the end of the year, and they had given $20,000. Again, which is pretty good when you're, when you're, when you're not even making, uh, you know, over 50. But they had given $20,000, and right before the year ended, Scott Lewis was able to close a, a couple of sudden contracts that come up. And it really, the way they came up was really miraculous, where a man actually said, you know, I'm looking for this type of, of a piece of heavy equipment that I need for my business. Well, the day before, Scott Lewis said that he had just gotten a flyer at his house where somebody was actually selling that very piece of equipment. So he was able to buy it, resell it, make a profit. Then somebody else said, I'm also looking for a piece of equipment. He was able to supply that. And before it hit December the 31st, he had the extra $30,000 from those two sales. So his total for the year of giving exceeded $50,000. So the challenge that he took from Bill Bright didn't seem so wild or crazy after all. So, you know, he and his wife talked it over. And they said, you know, we just gave $50,000 this year, and uh, let's, let's 
increase for the next year. Let's make a goal of giving a $100,000. And by the end of the year, they had accomplished that, and they had given $100,000 into the work of spreading the gospel around the world. Well, eventually, Scott and his wife passed the $1 million mark in their giving. And of course, even as of today, they still haven't stopped. See, I believe that you are destined for increase in every area of your life, where every facet of your life is moving forward. You're expanding, you're increasing. And I believe that includes your giving. That the seeds that you've sown in the past, while they were generous and while they were sacrificial, you will not remain on that level. You are going to new levels, and one of those levels includes your giving. Because as your harvest is coming in, that is blessing you, and that is also empowering you to have more seed, greater seed, and stronger seed to sow than you've ever sown before. And then, of course, a greater harvest will come in from that. Praise the Lord. You know, as I listened to the story of Scott Lewis, uh, a more of an expanded story, and, and heard how he was able to get these really silly contracts, and then he would supply, and then he'd sell, and, and you could see from the stories he was telling, it's really the blessing of the Lord where God is doing this. Sure, you tried to run your business, and you tried, to, you tried to do all the things that maybe you learned in business school, but there's an element of the blessing where only God can put that blessing on it. And if you have a heart for the kingdom work, for the Word of God to be taught and preached around the world, because look, it's not just evangel evangelism, because once you evangelize people and they come to Christ, well, now you have to disciple them. And how do you disciple people? Teaching, teaching, teaching teaching. You know the hardest people for me to pray over that are Christians? The hardest Christians for me to pray for are those who, when it comes to the Bible, they are an empty vacuum. And you're, you're trying to pray for them, and you're trying to help them, but they have no foundation. Uh, sometimes they've even been in the church for years and years and years, but they have no working knowledge of the Word, so you're trying to meet them on the lowest common denominator, where you can say, where can we join our faith at? Because I'm here with you, but you've got to give me, and you've got to give God something to work with, so that we can pray for you, and that God can bless you. Oh, my friends, the, the teaching ministry, the proclaiming of the gospel needs to be running around the planet day and night. And when you have a heart to sow into that, God's going to see to it that harvest is coming to you and that you are increasing on all levels. And that includes your ability to sow greater seed, greater seed, and thus reap greater and greater harvest. Now, you have to understand that if you're not a tither, if you're not a tither and you are not a sower of financial seed, you are living outside of the financial covenant, and you are subject to everything that goes on out there in that dog-eat-dog -dog type world, sometimes called by uh, secular people the rat race, okay? And you don't want to go through life in a rat race. You want to go through life with a covenant. Now, I'm not talking about covenant of salvation,
Because you can have a covenant of salvation where you're saved and born again. You have put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has saved you by His grace. You have been washed with His blood. You're in the family of God, and you're on your way to heaven. But you can be on your way to heaven broke, financially frustrated, and impoverished, and never stepping over into the Canaan land. Why? You never established a financial covenant. And the financial covenant is established on the platform of seed time and harvest. And the more you get into that platform and work the system of God of seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping, you, my friends, will go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and step into new levels until you step over to see Jesus Himself. And He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Praise God. My friends, let's now work the kingdom principles by bringing in the, the tithe and sowing seeds so that the gospel is proclaimed day and night around the world. On behalf of me and, of, and, and this ministry and our whole team, we thank you. We thank God for you for the seeds that you sow and for your faithfulness to honor the Lord with your finances. And our prayer is that you enjoy your harvest and that God increase you so that you also might be able to uh, be empowered to sow more. And so that when we all cross over together, knowing that we are sharers in the rewards. First Samuel chapter 30. When, when David was there at Ziklag, and he has to go off and, you know, and fight the enemy and get back everything that was stolen, those that stayed there and guarded the camp, and those that also came back with the, splendor, uh, plun the, the uh, plunder and the spoil, they all shared it evenly. Why? We're all on the same team. You might not be able to go like I go. You might not be able to run to the nations. You might not be able to get behind the camera and preach uh, to the people and stuff like that. But you can help send the word, and that's what you're doing. And we will share in the rewards together. And we, we my friends, are living for the glory awaiting us on the other side. Hallelujah. We're going to work. We're going to work day and night while we have time. There will come a time when we can work no more, but we're not there yet. Hallelujah. So, my friends, let's honor the Lord, and let's give with a hilarious spirit today. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. Woo! Get lubricated in your spirit. One, the one way to break an old miser spirit, an old dried up, shriveled up spirit, is to give and get happy and hilarious about your giving. Don't ever forget, God loves a hilarious, not a tight-fisted, I'm going to give it, but I don't want to. No, 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 no. <laughs> Keep it. <laughs> God loves a cheerful giver, and that's who you are. Praise God. Now, those of you that are bringing in your tithes and offerings online, please go to the ministry website. StephenBrooks.org, there's a link on the home page called Tides and Offerings, Sow and Reap. You can go there right now and bring them in safe and secure through online credit card transaction. Praise God. If you want to mail in your Tides and Offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina, our zip code 28117. Praise God. Bring them in for the glory of God. Let God take you to the next level of blessing. Father, bless your people. We thank you. We thank you that you have unveiled the covenant of prosperity. We embrace it. We walk in it. And we thank you that it's established of you. And as long as there is cold and heat, day and night, 
summer, winter, there will always be seed time and harvest. We thank you, Father God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, my friends, let's jump into the Word of God uh, to uh, today's message. I want you to go over to Galatians chapter 2.20. Galatians 2.20. I want to get you plugged in today to the power, the power source. Amen. Pastor Stephen, what is the power source? Well, I believe that many in the church uh, are running on the wrong voltage. They're running on 110 power. When God wants to stream into you 220 volt, okay? But a lot of people, they couldn't handle it. Uh, couldn't handle it. It would fry their system. And it is too much of a current coming through. And uh, it, it, would, uh, it wouldn't turn out good. Too much heat can melt you. So God's got to get you ready to run on 220. I want you to go to Galatians 220 and look at it with me. This is how you get tied into the power of God. This is how you get connected to the greater glory. This is how you stay on the front lines of what God is doing in the earth today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit would come right now with quickening power, letting your word come alive, being a sharp two-edged sword. And we thank you, Father God, let it sever and cut away anything that would be of our fleshly nature that would try to interfere with our ability to see, hear, and understand your eternal truths and principles. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we all say amen. Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul said, I have been, not going to be, not one day when I get to heaven, it's finally going to happen. No, my friends, there are things that Christ has done that you must take it now by faith. Because it has already been accomplished. I know that some people, they get a little bit discouraged. Because they are, they are in a mode of faith. And they're wanting it now. And sometimes they think, well, maybe it's not meant to be. But you've got to hang in there and stand on the finished work of the cross. Don't ever take your eyes off of that. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Ooh, I have been crucified with Christ. Well, let's think about that. When you read through the Gospels, you don't read anything about Paul the Apostle. When you read about Jesus being crucified, he's got, he's got two thieves, one on either side. I never read my Bible where it said Paul was hanging on a cross next to Jesus. Did you? But yet here the Apostle Paul says, I have been not going to be. I have been crucified, nailed to a cross, and killed with Christ. When? Where? How? My friends, here's the truth. When Jesus hung on that cross, spread his hands, was nailed to the wood, crossed his feet over, feet nailed to the wood, when he hung there, bled, and died, in the mind of Father God, you were on that cross with him. Paul realized that. He realized that when Christ was crucified, he, in the mind of God and in the plan of God, was somehow transfixed on that cross with him. And when Jesus died at Calvary on that cross, you need to see yourself up there with him also. 
Glory to God. This will really, really, look, this is the power. <laughs> I want to talk with you about how to tie into the power of God. Get connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. Understand that the Christian principle works like this. Life comes through death. This is why Jesus said, if you lose your life, you'll find it. Lose what? If you lose your natural, carnal, soulish life, you wanting to do your own thing, you'll find the God life. But if you keep your life, you'll lose the life of God. Mmm. Praise the Lord. I have been crucified with Christ. You need to see yourself crucified. You need to see yourself on that cross. Continually. Yes, Pastor Stephen, sometimes I like to think about it. But you need to have a mindset where this is ongoing, ongoing, because the more you stay in the mode of flesh crucified, the more you will experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm, praise God. This is what Paul said, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord today. Glory to God. Keep yourself mentally as you envision this. Keep yourself on that cross. I know also Ephesians 2, 6, we are seated with Christ at his right hand. But the seating, the, the place of seatment with Christ comes out of your position of being in Christ. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. The lifting up comes through crucifixion. Glory to God. We'll try to unveil this today. This is new for some of you. Praise the Lord. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 6. The last book in this letter that Paul wrote to the church there in Galatia. Galatians chapter 6, verse 13. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, that, that would be the, the Jewish people, those that are trying to live by the law, where we know the reality of this is that you can't keep it. The standard's too high. Oh, I've, I've been in Jerusalem. I've walked around Israel. I've seen the Orthodox Jews. I've seen their dress. I've seen them endeavor to have an external mode of hyper-religion. But you can walk around with with a, you know, hyper desire, even a burning zeal to try to measure up to the standard. But anybody that's honest would have to admit, hey, you can't keep it. It's too hard. You mess up in one little thing, you've broken the whole thing. Woo! And not only do we have to deal with externals, but the Bible really deals with the internals. And that's what Jesus got into with the Beatitudes. This is more than just going out there and committing these acts. If you're, if you're thinking about these things in your heart, you've already done it. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Well, how do we deal with this type of stuff? We go to the very heart of the matter. So he said, for not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Praise the Lord. Look, you, you can go to Jerusalem. You can go to the Western Wall. You can put your hand on the western wall. You can have people take pictures of you. Roll the cameras. Mm. You, can, you can try to make yourself look real religious, real holy. Mm. Mm. And you can stay there for hours. 
You can have other people look at you and think, ooh, that must be a holy person. Mm, look at him go. Mm, but that doesn't have anything to do with your heart. Doesn't have anything at all to do with your heart. Now, I'm not saying it's not good to go to the Western Wall and pray. I've, I've done that, and I, I, I like doing that. But my friends, these are the things of the heart that God looks at. Just because people do these external things doesn't mean that God's like, woo, yep, yep, he's good to go. Not necessarily so. Praise God. Verse 14, but God forbid that I should boast, except, watch this, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. You know, there's something about a man who's being nailed to a tree, who's got spikes driven through his hands and his legs. There's something about that, that agony where, you know, you just don't want to go out and do certain things that maybe formerly had such a great appeal. There's something about crucifixion, the dying off of the natural man, where you're just like, you know, the more I, the more I stay here on this cross and die, I'm just not really into that other stuff anymore. I know I used to get real excited about it. I, I know I used to run with the boys and do it myself. If truth be told, I probably let them into many of those things myself. But the more I stay on that cross and die, the less and less interest I have in those types of things. And your heart begins to turn. Your heart begins to turn to the Lord and you say, God, I want to live for you. What, what's going on? The crucifixion power. And the more you tap into the power of the cross, the more you realize you really are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And the more you want to pray, the more you want to have a heart, soft heart, the more you want to love people, the more you want to give, the more that you just wish and desire, you could do all you could do to live for God. What's going on? The crucified life and the power of the cross working in your life. Not where you live, not what kind of a job you have, not where you went to college at, not where you did not go to college at, not this or not that, not anything. But Christ and the power of His cross and Christ crucified and you in that imagery with Him, crucified with Him on that cross and staying in it, staying in it. That's the power. That's the power because Jesus was tempted. Come down off that cross. If you really are the Christ, prove it to us now. Come on. Come on down off that cross. And he didn't do it. And that can be one of the, your greatest trials. Your flesh, your, your Adamic nature, who will uh, sometimes have cravings, will sometimes have urges. What will you do? Will you come off the cross? No, my friends, don't try to drink from worldly sources to satisfy the longings in your heart that only God can satisfy. Turn to Him. Stay on the cross. Now, see, here's the thing. You and I cannot crucify ourselves. It's impossible. If you showed up at Calvary all by yourself, and there were the leftover tools and implements of crucifixion, and you even found the cross... You even found the hole in the ground to put the cross, and you even found some spikes and a hammer. There's nobody else around, just you. And you think, okay, I'm going to go to work on this. I'm going to crucify myself. <laughs> okay, this would be really hard to do, but you can get the hammer and a big spike, and you maybe could get your, your, your legs. 
by leaning forward, you could drive them into that wood, okay? And you could maybe hold a nail and somehow reach over there and pound it in and get one arm in there. But you can't get the other one because now, you're, see, you cannot crucify yourself. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to turn to the Lord, stop turning to other things, and turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm staying on this cross. Now, Lord, come do your work. Come do your work and let the power of this cross begin the work in my life that I might die to these things that bring no, no credibility or strength to your kingdom. Lord, I want to live for you. So, Lord, let this mighty power come now, and the Holy Spirit will come. He will come when you keep turning to the Lord. When you keep beholding the Lord in His glory, in His power, and His beauty, you will experience the death, and those cravings will begin to die off, and sometimes they can just go, whoop, and the presence of the Lord draws near, and you get filled up, you get filled up, you get filled up. Here's the thing, though, you've got to stay filled up, or your flesh will want to go out there, and it will, see, the flesh is disgusted by the cross. The flesh is repelled by the cross. If you, you don't think that's true, go before church and call a church to a fast and watch the recoil. <laughs> All right? Stand before your friends and say, let's do a corporate fast that God would move in revival power in America. Do that and watch the response. What, what goes on? Our flesh says, uh, isn't there some other way? Why? That's, that's a natural tendency. Isn't there some other way that we can do this besides dying? Hmm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not saying you have to do fasting. But what I'm saying is, is that there is strength in the Lord. And when you turn to Him, you begin to die to the things of the natural man. And you begin to live to the things of the kingdom of God. You really come into that reality of Romans 6.6. 6, Let's look at it just for a moment. That the power of sin is broken from your life. Romans 6, 6, Paul said, knowing this, and you need to know it, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Uh, Pastor Stephen, I've never laid on a, on a wooden cross. I've never had anybody crucify me. How in the world can Paul say that my old man was crucified with him? Again, in the mind of God... When Jesus hung on the cross and died, you were there with Him. Mm. Praise God. Your old man, the old sinful you, died that day. Now, the sin nature, God did not take out of you, but the old man who couldn't help but sin, he's dead. He's gone forever. Now you want to serve God, but your flesh will try to give you trouble. That's why you must crucify that on an ongoing basis. But the main thing that you need to know is that that body of sin, that old man, he's gone. So in other words, you don't have to sin. The devil can't just come to you and say, I'm going to make you do it. I know you don't want to, but I'm just going to make you do it anyhow. He cannot do that. He cannot, he cannot have authority unless there is an area where it has been yielded to him. That's why it says in the Bible in James 4, 17, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He has to, and he knows he has to. Praise God. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You don't have to be a slave of sin. The old you died. 
when the flesh nature now tries to give you any kind of trouble just stay on the cross and it'll just go it'll just go away just go away the strength of God will fill you and then you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit praise the Lord now let's go to the book of Joshua let's turn back to the book of Joshua chapter 5 and today is a day that you're tapping into the power source hallelujah you're going into your promised land it's very very important to understand this because while a church family has a corporate destiny let's even say it from a larger realm there's the global body of Christ we have a destiny to affect our generation but, but then there's individual bodies and you have a church body we have an online church body we have a corporate destiny together but you also you also have an individual destiny you yourself you have your own destiny your own assignment that God has given you but you must realize like Joshua did that until you go into the land and possess it you cannot possess it until first there is circumcision there is a cutting off of the old nature and you go in now with strength and begin to drive out those enemies let's take a look at it today and this is all done through the power of the cross glory to God the power of the cross you know from an evangelical perspective growing up in church I used to be a little bit puzzled by the pictures of the Catholic Saints I would see St. Francis of Assisi now of course he lived in the 12th century we don't really know what he looked like but I you know our artists would do their best rendition I'd see pictures of him paintings of him holding a cross a crucifix with Jesus on it and I think I wonder why they would always stare at the cross I have a very I have a very old picture of St. Joseph of Cupertino who lived in the 1600s uh, a picture that's very rare and it's not the original of course it's a copy of it but most people haven't seen it but there he is staring at the cross with Jesus on it and I've seen others over and over the, the, I'm talking about the ones that had very very close walks with God and they knew the Lord on a very very personal level I've seen Padre Pio do the same thing I used to look at the Catholic Saints and say what's up with the fascination of the cross seems to me that it's like an over focus or it's like almost like a like a focus on death I, I don't get it oh but my friends now I understand it took me a while to catch on to it but now I understand what they have been doing this is what David meant in Psalm 16 verses 8 and 9 where David said I have always set the Lord before me why because when you see the Lord when you drink from the Lord you don't want the other sources you don't want earthly sources trying to feed you or feel cravings that only God can feel and the more that you look at Christ crucified the more of his power and grace and strength and very importantly his presence will come into your life and you're satisfied and you're satisfied your heart is looking at him and you're happy you don't want to do other things that could hurt you that could hurt others you just want to live for the Lord and you want to live for his glory you're willing to lay your life down continually why because you're looking at him and that's what he did and the more you look at him and the more you ponder that look I'm not just talking about your devotional time 
I'm not just talking about your prayer time. I'm talking about throughout the day. I'm talking about when you're on your lunch break or you, you go out uh, on an afternoon break, your 3 o'clock break. You don't, have to, you don't have to sit there in the snack room and listen to dirty jokes. Go out to your car and in the parking lot and take the crucifix and just look at Christ and thank Jesus. I'm on that cross with you today. And Lord Jesus, when I go back into my place of work, Lord Jesus, may your resurrection power flow in my life that I can live for you, O God. Lord, that although I'm in this world, I'm not of this world. I'm going to go home to be with you. Heaven is my citizenship. And Lord, I behold you and I think about what you did for me. Lord, I've only got five minutes. I'm going to go back in there, but I'm carrying you in my mind and I'm carrying you in my heart. And Lord, I don't want to sin against you. I don't want to sin against my fellow man. I want to live for you. And what happens? The presence stays with you always. David said, I have always set the Lord before me. And a lot of the, lot of the great saints, they cough that revelation. That's why they're always holding a, a crucifix, looking at Jesus on the cross. Why? There is life and power and strength in that. Praise God. But see, you have to understand it. If you don't understand it, you just look at it and you think, well, it's just a, it's just a cross. What's the big deal? A guy died on it. Jesus died on it. What's the big deal? You have to understand the power of it. And that's where the life of God is flowing from. The Lord's flowing His power to you from the cross. From the cross. And the more of His life that's in you, the more that you can go into the promised land and conquer and do what God has called you to do. Because you need power. You need power to go uphill in a fallen world system that's going downstream. So you're trying to paddle uphill, so you need strength and grace every single day. You need to be in the presence of God every single day. We live in a very dark generation. Isaiah 60 says, gross darkness will be upon the earth. And it's gross darkness in the way people dress, the way people unveil themselves, the way people talk with the most profane and filthy language. People don't even care if there's children around. I think sometimes they do it on purpose because there are children, or because there, there would be women, and that they just like to be crude and gross, even in public places. But my friends, we can still walk in the presence of the Lord, and keep that presence, and you are in a shield. You are in a canopy when you're walking with God like that, where that stuff, it just bounces, it bounces off the shield. It doesn't bounce off you, it bounces off the shield, the canopy of God's glory all around you. Hallelujah. Joshua chapter 5 verse 1. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Well the hearts of the foreign kings living in the land their hearts melted. Well, Pastor Stephen, I guess that's good. They're going to clear out. We could just come in and take the land. Yep, it's going to be easy. Uh, not quite. They are full of fear, but they're not going to give it up without a fight. Mm, 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 mm. You know, the amazing thing about Joshua is they came in and they went on a winning streak. We know that they had, they had a stumble at AI, but they got it fixed, 
And they're back on track, and they're winning, and they're winning, and they're defeating the enemy, and they're taking the land that God promised them. But you know what? They still never took all of the land, and they still never drove out all of the inhabitants. Now remember, God said the inhabitants, the inhabitants of the land, God said these people are so filthy, and so defiled, that the land already is wanting to vomit them out. Okay, so you just come in, I've already given it to you, and I'm with you, my angels are with you, even the land is working with you. Everybody wants, uh, all creation wants these hedonistic, pagans, godless, God-hating, filthy people out. So come in and take the land. But even still, they never drove out all of these um, inhabitants, particularly the Jebusites. And this is what's interesting about the Jebusites. It was, uh, we're reading Joshua chapter 5, and you're going to start seeing all the victories, but they never got the Jebusites out. And it wasn't until 400 years later, when David finally rose up and said, you know what? We're going to get rid of the Jebusites. And one of the reasons we're going to get rid of them is that they've got a great location. And God's promised us that location, and we're going to take it. And they took it. And you know what it is? It's Jerusalem, the eternal capital of Israel. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise be unto the Lord forever. But Jerusalem was difficult to take, and the Jebusites were very stubborn in being driven out. They, they did not, even Joshua and his generation couldn't get them out took David to do it. But my friends, there's some things you're going to have to fight for. And you're going to have to go into that promised land that God has given you. Yes, corporate promises, but also individual promises for you and for your family of things God's called you to do. That's why you're here on this planet. You're going to have to go in there and you're going to take that land. I want to talk with you about how to do it. I want to stay on that theme of tapping into this power source so that you can go into the land and drive out the Jebusites Hittites, Amorites, Philistines, whoever. Drive them out. Drive them out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready to go? We're going into the land. Verse 2. At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives. Don't get nervous. Make flint knives for yourself. Ooh, for yourself. And circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself, and circumcised the sons of Israel at the heel of the foreskins. How about that for a name? Well, he got, he got very active that day with the knife. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I hear the knives, the knives being sharpened right now. Praise God. My friends, if you want to go into the promised land, you're going to have to let the Lord cut off carnality and the areas of flesh that would defile you and hold you back. Mm, praise the Lord. Now this is interesting because when the circumcision is going on, they are surrounded by all of their enemies. And when these, these men, their warriors are being circumcised, you know, you're out of action for a couple of days. You're too sore. Everything's painful. And the last thing you can do is pick up a sword and start fighting when you've just been circumcised. But yet, right in this very critical time, this is the time that God says, 
look, I know you're surrounded by enemies, but I'm going to protect you. Get circumcised now. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You will never go in, listen to me today. You will never go into the fulfillment of taking your promised land with areas in your life that have not been cut off that are displeasing to the Lord. Oh, I'm not saying that you have to be some kind of super saint. I'm not saying that you're never going to sin or you're some kind of imperfect person. I'm not saying that or some kind of imperfect person. But I am saying this. God doesn't want you to be a slave to sin. Hallelujah. God wants you in victory. God doesn't want you to be defeated by the enemy in any area. So, I know that the flint, the flint is being sharpened. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You know there are actually angels of circumcision that come, that come and cut off areas of carnality in your heart if you will let them. Glory to God. This is not like you need a five-year counseling session. God can send one angel. That angel pull that sword out and just touch your heart and cut. And suddenly, you don't, you don't have a desire for that thing anymore. You don't want to do that anymore. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. So, what's going on is that they've come out of Egypt, but Egypt has never come out of them. It's never come out of them. So, when it comes time to cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land, you have to really be serious about living a crucified life. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. This is the power of the cross. There is forgiveness for sin, but there is also strength to not even yield to it in the first place. And that's where God's wanting to bring the church to. Running on Galatians 2.20, high voltage power. And the church is trying to run on 110 power. And it's not enough to go into the promised land and take the promises. You're going to have to have the power of, the, of Galatians 2.20, the power of the cross working in your life. In other words, you can't stand there as a Christian and tell somebody that's wrong, while at the same time in, you, in your heart, you're doing the very same thing that you're telling them not to do. Now, they, may, they probably don't know that you're doing that. But see, you replicate what you are. Power, the power of God flows out of you in an area, in a way that you are filled up with His strength and power. Woo, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's why the power of the cross. Look, if you've got to go out and get a crucifix and just literally sometimes take it and look at it, do, the, do whatever it takes to help you and get your mind on Jesus. Some of you have got your minds on work all the time. Work, 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 work. That's all you ever think about. And that's why there's an absence, a vacuum, an emptiness of the presence of God. You need to spend time with the Lord. You need to slow down and just don't even ask God sometimes for anything. Just spend time with Him. Just stop and just say, Lord, I've been very, very busy. That, that's dangerous. It doesn't take long to drift. It doesn't take long before the next thing you know, you're down off that cross and you're, you're now yelling at somebody in the flesh. 
<laughs> you're screaming at somebody and you're angry and your face is flashing red and then you realize uh oh I've gotten in the flesh the next thing you know you're boiling with jealousy you know it's, it's easy it's easy to just move into that carnal nature that's why you must practice the presence of the Lord turn your heart to the Lord continually there will never be one single turning even if you take a telescope and you turn it towards that object that you're looking at whether it's the moon or whether it's a star you can keep that telescope lined there but everything's moving and if you're not continually tracking you're, you're going to miss the object you must continually let your heart go up to the Lord go up to the Lord mm, praise God see David took Jerusalem what is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is the place of, the, of Zion. What is Zion? Zion represents the city of God, represents the kingdom of God. It is a literal place also in heaven. Where is it at in heaven? It is the very throne of God. And that's why there is the lifting up. You want to go into the promised land. Where do you want to go? You want to go to Mount Zion, where your heart is lifted into the things of God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And there can be a fight. There can be a fight. But my friends, as you work, as you work and open your heart and say, Lord Jesus, circumcise the flesh of my heart. Lord Jesus, send a mighty angel to come and cut away that would be that which would be displeasing to you. Lord, let the spirit of the fear of the Lord come and rest on my life. Lord, I give you permission to come and do your work, knowing that I have no power in essence, in a sense of myself to do it. Lord, come, I give you permission. He will come. Because see, the Bible says when you draw near to the Lord, He'll draw near to you. Sometimes He'll draw near with a flint knife praise God and say let's go to work on this hallelujah let the Lord do his work why there's power in the crucified life there's power in the crucified life there's joy the greatest joy you'll ever know is living the crucified life the world has lied and said there's more joy over here come run wild what stays and what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas Shh. God can top any sinful, dirty activity in Vegas, New York City, Los Angeles, or the hills of, of wherever. My friends, go up to Mount Zion and have the time of your life in the very presence of the Lord. <laughs> and then you will go into your promised land with the sword of the Lord, and your enemies will flee in terror. Mm, why? Galatians 2.20. You're operating in the, two, in the 220 power. And you're just too strong. You're too strong. You're stronger than the enemy. And you take what rightfully belongs to you. See, the enemy, the enemy respects power. Not talk. He doesn't even respect shouting or noise. He respects, he respects authority and power. He has to back off. He has to, he has to move out when a greater power shows up and that greater power is you coming on the scene in the power of the spirit living the crucified life hallelujah glory to God thank you Jesus today thank you Lord Jesus 
Verse 7, Then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not been circumcised on the way. So for the Jewish people who today do not know Jesus as Messiah, they have an emphasis on the law, they have an emphasis on circumcision, but my friends, they, you know, when they're honest, they find out just like Paul, just like the others, you know what, the law, there's nobody that can keep it. Jesus was the only man, blameless, who ever lived a life that was sin-free. Praise the Lord. So we must not put our faith in our own good works, because nobody, nobody is good enough to go to heaven. Hallelujah. Billy Graham was not good enough to go to heaven on his own merit or his own works. He put his faith and trust in Jesus. Mother Teresa, for despite all the good works and all the humanitarian things she did, she and her own good works, still not good enough to go to heaven. She put her faith and trust in Jesus to get her there. You'll never make it on your own. You'll never be good enough or clean enough on your own. One sin is all it takes. That's why you must put your faith and trust in Christ to wash your sins away. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 8. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day, which means rolling away. Praise the Lord. My friends, now they're ready. Now they're ready to go into the promised land and to take what rightfully belongs to them. I would submit to you that your destiny is very, very important. That if you don't do it now in this life, you don't get a second try. There is no such thing as reincarnation. If you're a Buddhist and you believe in reincarnation, you have believed a lie. You're not coming back, you're not coming back as an ant or a frog or something better if you did good. No, you, you get one opportunity. And as a Christian, the way that you live your life is the way that you will be rewarded and judged when you cross over. You can't cross over and then say, oh, I, I wish I could do like a replay on it. You can't. You can't. It's a wrap. So you must live for the Lord now. Because what will happen, even in this lifetime, is that if you play around and you live in sin, you, and you, you allow things in your life that are displeasing to the Lord, what will take place is that you will wander, in a sense, in a desert, like the Israelites did. And you'll just wander, and you'll never, you'll never go into the Canaan land. You'll never go in there. You'll just wander. You just wander. And you wander, like, why am I not going in? Because you need to get circumcised. And you need to cross Jordan, and now... Now you're ready for some warfare. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You're going to take it by force. You're going to take it by faith. But my friends, your heart has to be right before the Lord. There have been people, they have received blessings, and then their heart has been lifted up in pride. That's why there is even a, a warning about wealth. Deuteronomy 8, 18. You, will, you shall not forget the Lord your God, for it's He who gives you power to get wealth. You, in other words, God's saying, you better not forget. 
who helped get you all this stuff, it was me working behind the scenes with my blessing and my angels. That's why you're blessed. Don't start taking all the credit for it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In other words, stay on the cross. Stay on the cross. I believe God's got much greater things for you. I believe that there are glorious breakthroughs just awaiting you. But my friends, you're going to have to Tap, you're going to tap into that. Galatians 2.20, power. Keep the cross before you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Keep it before you all day and all night long. Praise God. And thank the Lord in His presence. Lord, I just thank you that you died for me at Calvary. I thank you for all the wonderful things that you've done for me today. Listen, when you do that, when you do that, what will happen is that that promise will come true from the book of James. Draw near to the Lord. He will draw near to you. As you begin to worship Him like that, He will come near with His presence. And what begins to take place if you stay in that presence long enough? Lifting. Lifting. Where's God taking you? Mount Zion. Where's that? The throne of God. And the Bible says in the New Covenant, draw near to God. Draw near. Come in through the throne of God with boldness with grace. Come in. Come into the very presence of God. Mm. And from that place, you drink of the Lord. You say, Lord, you're my strength. You're my life. You're my everything. Thank you for all that you've done for me. Everything that I have is because of you. And you drink in the Lord. You drink in the Lord. You receive His presence. You stay in Zion. You stay in Zion. Praise God. Hallelujah. It was a real fight for David to take it, but he took it. There may be some things that you really have to fight to overcome, but the grace of God will be there. Pastor Stephen, how do I overcome them? Turn your heart to the Lord. See, sometimes we, t we tell um, sinners, turn your heart to God and repent. Yes, because you need to turn from sin and turn to God. But I would submit this to you. That turning is a continual action. Oh yes, there's the initial turn. You receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. But we have, we have a way of so many times of looking at the Lord. And we say, Lord, you're wonderful. That's nice. I've got to run now. I've got to come back down here and jump back into my worldly stuff. And then we jump back and we do all of our stuff. And we get all caught, caught up in the things that we do. I'm not even talking sometimes about things that are bad. I'm just saying you can get yourself so busy, so caught up, even in doing good things, that you stop looking at Him, who is the life giver, who is the joy giver. And then you can even get robotic, and then you get burned out, and you wonder why. It's because you stop turning. You've got to continually turn your heart back to the Lord, and look to Him. And as long as you do that, that is an element of staying on the cross, and as long as you do that, he looks at you. See, as you're looking at Him, He's looking at you. He is radiating from Himself to you His peace, His soothing joy, His happiness, His smile. Have you ever seen God smile at you? Ah, if you haven't, you have not been looking long enough. Because as you look at Him and smile, there is a place you know that you know, don't, don't ask me to explain it, but you know that you know that you know He's smiling at me. I absolutely know He's happy with me, and He's smiling at me. You don't have to ask me how I know that. Those of you that experienced, it's, it's a witness of the Spirit, 
but it is just as real as as you are as I am it is absolute 100% real experience but my friends you must look to the Lord look to the Lord and give the Lord time to refresh you give the Lord time to strengthen you praise God hallelujah glory to God thank you Lord Jesus hallelujah Jesus said take up your cross daily there is a daily dying to self there is a daily there's a daily element where our carnal nature goes you know what I just want to take a break from all this religious stuff that's the flesh die die hallelujah glory to God live for God crucify that live for the Lord what happens power is released power is released <laughs> Woo! Woo! see out of his sanctuary comes power David said I've seen your power where in the sanctuary where Mount Zion where where in the very sanctuary of God in the throne room of God that's where the power is released from and if you want to walk in the power that's where you need to be at praise God that's where it's at that's the crucified life that's the circumcised life and it's very very important I believe I, and I need to submit it to you again I believe your destiny is vital to you you can't play around with it you must go in and take your promised land you'll go to heaven I'm not saying you won't go to heaven but if you don't take your promised land you'll go to heaven and you'll wish you had you'll wish you had glory to God praise God so rise up stir yourself up go after the Lord with all of your heart let him refresh you let him strengthen you slow down turn to the Lord continually turn to the Lord your mind on the Lord practicing intentionally on purpose the presence of God see if you're not abiding continually you're not abiding that's what abiding means it means you're you're there continually praise God that's what we are coming into hallelujah praise God right now stretch your arms out like this and say Jesus Lord I see myself on the cross with you Lord help me Lord help me to live for you Lord help me to die for you mmm the times sometimes you, are, you want to respond when somebody has slandered you and God says don't say anything I'll cover it and the flesh wants to respond stay on the cross mmm stay on the cross praise the Lord the times that others would try to even take credit for what you did the Lord says the Lord says you're working for me I'll promote you don't bring it up stay on the cross hallelujah glory to God when others scream and say come down from the cross you're wasting your time you're losing your mind it's not worth it stay on the cross why stay in the place of power you will need that power so father we thank you come on fresh surrender turn to the Lord help the Lord in the sense do you ever stop to think that the Lord needs encouragement oh Lord uh, Pastor Stephen Lord the Lord don't need nothing no and he was on the cross look look there is a means of identification with Christ there is a means of identifying with his suffering 
How many people on the planet every day blaspheme His name? Stay on the cross with Him. Lord, I hear those curses. Lord, I see the sin and the filth. Lord, I see how people don't even pray over their food. You give them the food, they don't, eat, you, they don't even thank you for it. They just shove it in their mouth and start eating. They don't even pray. They're not even mindful of you. Lord, I stay on the cross with you. I intercede for them. Lord, have mercy on them. They don't know what they're doing. There is a place of consoling the Lord. Mm. When so many won't, go, won't even look at the cross, actually despise it. Mm. But it is the source of life. It is the source of power. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for true life. That this unveiling continue to unfold. And that our hearts be continually turning to you. Father, help us to train our hearts to turn to you. And not to try to trust or drink or find what we need from earthly sources. Let us look to you to fill us with what makes our heart content and satisfied. Father, we thank you. We thank you that it's all found at Calvary, at the cross. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. My friends, let's take communion today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Grab yourself some unleavened bread and some grape juice. You're going into the promised land Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this. We bless it. We consecrate it. This is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, you've got a Canaan land for us to possess and to live in. All kinds of blessings, all kinds of good things. But Father, we're coming in. We're coming in with hearts that have been circumcised. Praise God. Father, cut away any lie. Father, sometimes people tell themselves lies so much they actually believe the lie themselves. Father, come in and with the sword of the Spirit, cut away all flesh, carnality, unhealthy, soulish activity. Cut it. We give you permission. We yield to your will and to your way with joy. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, let us now receive the body of Christ. Oh God, we give you praise. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. Washing us from all sin. Cleansing us from all unrighteousness. And Father, we thank you that we as your people that we need it. Because we have tendencies to look and to love and reach to you. And then turn right around just a little while after. And do the same thing that Peter said. And say, no Lord, you don't need to die. We can work this out some other way. And Father, we do that because of areas where the heart has not been circumcised, areas where we are not yielding to your kingdom and your way and your motives and what it is that you have on your heart. So Father, we thank you as we drink the blood of Jesus. We thank you for mercy. Lord, we trust your mercy. And we need your mercy. And we, we receive it by faith as we are now in your very throne room of grace right now. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us receive. When you stay before the Lord, 
you'll have those times when you start getting the lifting. You're going up, you're going up. Pastor Stephen, where am I going? You're going to Zion. Not, not Mount Zion in Jerusalem. I'm talking about, of course that was where the temple was at, but I'm talking about the true Mount Zion. The one in Jerusalem was a replica of the real one in heaven. You're going up to heaven where God's throne is at, coming boldly before the throne of grace, that you might receive mercy and help in time of need. And as you're lifted into that place, you'll see beautiful colors. You'll see the seraphim. You'll see there are six wings. You'll see the redeemed saints, the great men and women who've been made holy and pure, who are now with the Lord. You'll see all kinds of beautiful and amazing things. You'll see the multitudes of the nations that are there, praising God day and night. You'll see the beauty of the heavenly city. That's one thing I like about heaven. It's a, it's a city. There are the outskirts where you have the forest, and you have the, uh, the, the great waters, and you have the mountains. But heaven is a city unlike any city you've ever seen. It is absolutely amazing. There are buildings that, from an earthly perspective, there are buildings that are over a thousand miles high. Woo! Woo! Father, we thank you for the lifting of your spirit. Some of you are going up now. Go up now and look and see what the Lord would show you. Hallelujah. And receive grace, receive strength. This is also the renewing of the eagle. This is your time for your refreshing. The Lord is renewing your strength. The renewing of your strength, your walk with God, strong. You're getting plugged into the 220 power. Praise God. Watch what's going to come out of you. The strength and the power of God. Stay plugged in. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. God bless you. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.